0: You know, we often hear stories of in ancient times of travellers, of sailors, and how they sought direction and they had no sat nav or anything. You know, they, they, it was amazing how they circumnavigated the Earth with just little but signs that were they, they knew through experience. I remember watching a documentary uh, of the Southern States in America and the way back before it was civilized and how they knew even the the moss on the tree was able to tell them where they were north, south, east or west and I remember watching also a, a, a program about travelers and particularly sailors and how at times when the sky was so cloudy it was dark, it was bleak they couldn't see anything they were afraid because they didn't know where they were and they didn't know how to get to where they wanted to go but then they said all of a sudden the North Star came out shining like a diamond on a dark cloth bringing hope to them showing them that this is the, the, the direction or they can choose the direction through the, the, the where they were in comparison to the North Star. Once they found their way it brought great peace to them. It brought joy and release. I mean we think of the small ships that they traveled in and being lost in the middle of, of the ocean with no sign in the sky to show you where to go and the storms may be raging, it must have been a frightening time for them. But we can also imagine the relief when they seen the, the, the North Star and they were able to circumnavigate where they were going to go. And you know truth, and the truth is, church, this morning, when we read the Bible with an open heart, there's given to us an uh, like a a dreary account of sinful man. Because man today is trying to find his own way and he always has tried to find his own way. They've tried all sorts of alternative religions and ideologies and great men who've maybe came with great ideas and they've followed them, but it's just led to more darkness. It may at times be, may have brought a, a, a temporal Relief. You know, many people, I read the story of a young man who was converted from a cult, and he said that this cult leader was such a good speaker that when he first went to him, he just couldn't believe the joy that was in his heart, this relief that what this wise man was saying. But through time, it turned out that this cult was indeed a broken cistern, and it only brought him temporal joy when truth was revealed, and in fact, there was no joy for their peace. For this young man, but thankfully he found the Lord. So men are trying to make their own way today, but in the midst of this darkness, we find a diamond that sparkles with heavenly brilliance, a north star against the darkness of humanity, which gives us direction. And not only gives us direction, it edifies us, it builds us up, and it brings us eternal joy and eternal peace in our hearts and in our minds. And Isaiah 43, verse 25, is one of these diamonds. It says here, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. What a diamond in the sky for us to follow. We immediately see from Almighty God that he's not unconcerned about sinful man and about sin. You see, man, whether he likes it or not, we cannot sin without immunity. People will tell you today, you're, you're, you're a man, you're weak, and God understands that. He certainly does. But you cannot sin without immunity. Like we said last week, you, you cannot admit a fault and then ruin your apology with an excuse. And that's what men do today. I'm sorry I committed adultery, but it was her fault she led me on, or it was his fault. He led me on. I'm sorry I stole. I needed the money to feed my children. And we could think that's a valid enough reason, but it's still stealing from someone else. And so man cannot sin without immunity. There are no excuses. Sin is sin. We need to remember he is a God of love. We know that. He's a God of infinite love, of infinite mercy, which he shared abroad in each and every one of our hearts this morning. But we also need to remember he is a just and he is a holy God. And with him, sin is never treated lightly. Sin is never ignored. We'll never hear from God, ah, oh, don't worry about it. You're, 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 I know you didn't mean it. But here's the beauty of God the beauty of God is the gospel. That although God hates sin, although it must be dealt with, he made provision for the sinner to be forgiven, amen. He made provision for the sinner to be forgiven. He brought forth a plan in his will whereby men could be forgiven for their sins. And the wonder of it all is, as we read in Isaiah there, when God forgives, God forgets. So let's look at this diamond verse. and There's three important things that I think it declares. The first point is, it's I, even I, am He. So, this is the prophet speaking on behalf of the Lord. God is speaking through Isaiah, a recognized prophet of his day, a recognized prophet today amongst all those who have read the Word of God. And he is speaking, and he's telling the children of God, I, even I, am He. God is speaking. And when the prophets did this, they were demanding attention. They were demanding attention, just like Jesus when he said "verily, verily," or the a translation a better one is "truly, truly." So when Jesus was going to say something, well, he always spoke of something very important. But when he wanted them to catch hold of this is the important part of the parable here, or, this is the important part of the discussion here, he would have said "truly, truly," and everyone had to take note. Something very important is going to be said here. And so the prophet is letting us know that God is speaking. And he wasn't just speaking to the people back then. He's speaking to you and me this morning. And God is saying, I, even I, am he. He demands our attention this morning because he wants to reveal to us his love for us. You see, God, he made us and he made us for himself. Isaiah 43 and 7. Everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. You go down into verse 21 of Isaiah 43. This people have I formed for myself, they shall show forth my praise. Colossians 1 and 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him. Listen to this, and for him. All things were created by him and for him. The last chapter in the, our last book, sorry, in the, in the Old Testament Malachi. And he says, have we not all one father and hath not one God created us. So this morning, we're in the presence of our creator. He created us, but he didn't create us for our sake. He created us for our, or for, sorry, for his glory. Man's chief aim is to glorify God. And so we were created to glorify the Lord. When Adam and Eve were created, they were created to glorify the Lord. But sadly, we know the fall. You might ask this morning, well, how do we glorify God? Well, we certainly glorify him by praise and faith. Excuse me. We glorify him by praising him. We glorify him by having faith in him. And we certainly need to have faith in the Lord in these last days. If you remember our sermon Brother Billy McGibney preached, where praise was just more than singing and lifting your hands and speaking in tongues and jumping up and down and dancing. Praise is your life. You praise God by the life that you live. When people look at you, you're honoring God because you're living the life that he wants you to live. You're obeying the word of God, which he has given to you. That's how you praise God also. And so we glorify God by obedience. But it's not by obedience because we have to do it. It's obedience through our love for him and through our trust in him. You see, we don't obey God. People will tell you, uh, religion will teach us to to, to keep these rules and you'll be fine. Fear God, and, and it's right to fear God. But look, you're obedient unto God. As we say in a moment, not so that you can win favor with God, but because you love him, and you appreciate what he did for you, and you want to serve him. And if you're disobedient to God, what does it say to him? What does it say to him? So he created us. He made us for himself. And that, therefore, tells us a very important truth this morning. Because it is against God that man has sinned. You know, we can hurt each other by doing things that we shouldn't do to each other or say about each other. But you know something? God is the injured party here. God is the injured party here. Isaiah 43 24, again speaking uh, the, the word of the Lord, he said, Thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. Sad when God says, Thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. And let's not sit back and say, oh, that was back then. We're better today. I'd say we're a lot worse today when you look at the state of the country. And it says, that was wearied me with thine iniquities. It is God who is the injured party. When, When an individual sins, when a nation sins, it is God who is the injured party. We need to lay hold of this truth. God is the offended one. Almighty God, our creator, who created us for his glory, he is the one who is offended here. He is the one, as we see in a moment, who is transgressed against. We need to understand and know this. With God, sin is not a light matter. Many churches treat it lightly. Don't worry, God loves you. He does, yes. But with God, sin is not a light matter. Sin is a serious matter. As we'll see, it separates us from God. Sin has separated man from Almighty God. That fellowship that God desired to have with men throughout eternity that was lost in the Garden of Eden separated us from God, from His very presence. And if we want to go back into fellowship with God, then the matter of sin has to be dealt with in our lives. We need to deal with it. Many people will say, God, I'm praying to you and people are praying for me. Take away this sin. You have a part to play, folks. You have a part to play in this. We want God to wave a magic wand over us, as it were, and kick away the anxiety, the the, the, the sins that are troubling us that we can't seem to let go of. But if we trust God, God will strengthen us and we will deal with them. But the point is, folks, we have to fight. God will be with us, but we have to deal with it in our lives, and then the barrier of our iniquities will be removed. As you said this morning at the table, I quoted Isaiah 43 and 11, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I want you to know there is no other way. It might not be politically correct. Well, tough luck with respect. It's the Word of God. There is no other way. Beside me, there is no Savior. There isn't many roads into the kingdom of God. All faiths don't lead to heaven. And if you believe that, you're calling Jesus a liar because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but what? By me. And we need to to stand for this truth. You might say, well, why is he the only one who can save us? Well, I think we've already answered it. Because it is against him that we have sinned. David acknowledged this. We can say, David, you sinned against Uriah, had the poor man murdered after sleeping with his wife. But what did David say? He said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. He recognized that he had sinned against his creator. And that's where his forgiveness would have came. That acknowledgement, Isaiah 59, again, speaking the word of the Lord, he said, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. What did the prodigal son say in Luke 15 when he came to his senses? He said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, against, I'm sorry, before you. And why? What, what, what did this realization of his sinnership do for this young man? It didn't make him bitter. It didn't blame his father for letting him go in the first place. You know, Manny would have said, if he hadn't given me the money, I wouldn't have went and it'd still been okay. But what did he say? He said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Church, the, the reality, I'm not trying to put any of you down I'm speaking to me. I am not worthy to be called a child of God. I'm not worthy. receive forgiveness this morning. I am a wretched sinner. I love that old Scottish proverb. He is better to the worst of us than the best of us deserve. Amen. Boy, that truth just breaks your heart, doesn't it? We're not worthy this morning. I'm a good person. I go to church and God bless you. But you're not worthy of what Christ did on the cross for you this morning. He's the only one who can save us because it's was him, against him we sinned. And this morning, church, it's nice for people to like you, isn't it? But it's God's forgiveness that you require this morning. Men may reject you, church, but it's God's forgiveness, forgiveness sorry, that you need. We will never earn our salvation by works of righteousness, by sacrifice, by giving. The psalmist put it beautifully. He says, but, in recognizing there's no other way, he said, but there is forgiveness with you. There is forgiveness this morning with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a wonderful thing. This this plan, it isn't something that man thought up and approached God saying, could we work it out this way? Because this is almighty God, your creator, the creator of the universe, speaking to you this morning and offering you salvation. And we can talk to you about being saved, but as a pastor, as elders, as a church, we can't offer you salvation because that offer comes from God. And we as his ambassadors are passing on that offer. His offer, and this is is just amazing church. His offer is twofold, because he will forgive your sins. But listen to this, he will forget your sins. He will forget your sins. Isn't that wonderful this morning? You see, we're all guilty. As one commentator once read said, we're guilty of sinning in two ways. He said there's sins of commission and sins of omission. And commission is where we have committed sin. And omission is where we have neglected to do those things that please God. We have done what we ought not to have done. We haven't done what we should have done. That's sins of omission. And that wonderful chapter, uh, Romans 7, where Paul speaks and he says the things that I would do I do not and the things that I would not do these things I do but it is a war that worketh in me Paul a great man of God admitting his weakness so we need to get him off this pedestal that we'll put him on he's a mighty man of God better than any, me or any other man I know in serving God but you know what he's a sinner because he admitted in his heart there's things he hates himself for and yet he does it. There's things that he he says, there's things he desires to do, and he doesn't do them. They're sins of omission. But God forgives. You know, the word in the Bible for transgression, if I'm pronouncing it right, is pishah. It means rebellion, transgression, trespass, uh, and revolt. Excuse me. These are sins of commission to re- openly rebel, to trespass or revolt. And we quoted this F53 this morning. He was wounded for our transgressions, for our piss shot. So for our sins, he was wounded. Do you realize that this morning? You may be able to quote it, but do you realize it in your heart? He was completely innocent, sinless. And he died on the cross for what? For my transgression. Surely, surely to God you have a grateful heart this morning. Verse 12 shows him interceding for our transgressions. Interceding for our transgressions. In other words, acting on our behalf. So we know him have said it many times and many other in the pulpit here have said it. Sin means failure or missing the mark. Romans three twenty three excuse me all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned to come short of the glory of God. But now, this morning, the good news for you this morning is that God offers to forgive and forget sins of commission and sins of omission. See, there is no grade for sins. God, God, His death on the cross covers all sins. People will tell you there is grades for sin. Some sins are worse than others. Sin is falling short on the mark of God. I've said this a million times. You steal a pound, you steal a million pounds, you're still a thief. You still sin. God offers forgiveness this morning, and He offers to forget our sins, and this is beyond human capacity this morning folks because our nature until the lord comes back isn't going to change we can't let it go oh i do well you're in the house of the lord just be careful we can't let it go we'll remember we'll certainly forgive and try our best but in the back of our mind we'll hold it it's beyond human capability folks But we can and should forgive, always remembering that in the same manner we forgive others. Jesus says, I will forgive you. Isn't that frightening? To be standing before Jesus and to think to yourself, he's going to forgive me the way I've forgiven others. That's a bit sobering. We may try and wish to forget, but in truth we can't. We're wrong the second time, we'll remember the first time. But Isaiah 43 and 5 tells us God blots it out, covers it, removes any record whatsoever of our sins. It's maybe a bad illustration, but do you remember back in school, the blackboards? We had a, a, a woman teacher, and she used to write your homework. And she must have thought we could do shorthand because you would about two minutes to write it down and then she wiped it off the board and that was you were for it. You didn't know what the homework was, especially like myself, you weren't listening in the first place. But you know something, when she rubbed it off the board, that was it. No trace of it whatsoever. But that's our sins, wiped away. Church this morning, an unsafe person this morning, if you're watching on the internet or whatever, we are hopelessly indebted to God, Do you realize that? You are hopelessly indebted to God this morning. Because he's canceled out that obligation, that penalty for your sins. He wipes it out completely. Paul speaks of it in Romans 8 verse 1. Another verse I quote often. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Speaking to the church in Colossae, he said, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, listen to this, nailing it to his cross. Amen. Nailing it to his cross. You all know Psalm 103 verse 12, as far as the east is from the west so far, as he removed our transgressions from us. We are hugely indebted this morning to God. What grounds does he do this? On the grounds of Calvary, where Jesus died for you and me. Listen to 1 John 1 verse 7. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Cleanseth us from all sin. I think I told you maybe this evening. Last week I may have said this. Speaking to men, I remember in their deathbed in hospital talking to them and they they, they were both unsure. Pastor, has he forgiven me? And I had to reassure them, yes, he does. No matter how great you feel your sin was or no matter how good a person you may have thought you were, he has forgiven us and cleansed us from all sin. So why is it when God forgives, he forgets? Why is it? Because he loves you and me with an infinite love this morning. That means there's no boundaries on it. There's no level that we have to meet before he'll accept us. You know, for someone to be your friend, we'll have to maybe have the same agreement about something. We maybe have to get on well about something. There's a standard whether we want to accept it or not before we'd accept someone as a friend. There's people who would be better call them acquaintances because they're not really friends. I mean, I used to hang about in a crowd or sometimes stand on the street corner. There was about 30 of us. But it was only about five or six were really good friends. The rest of them were friends of others and friends of whatever. So there was a, a standard that I had subconsciously set before I would have called you my friend, especially if you supported Man United. You had no chance but God's infinite love, there's no standard. The lowest of sinners, the vilest offender, the hammerer said, he truly believes. That moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. He loves us with an infinite love and we thank him this morning because we need his forgive, forgiveness. We need God's forgiveness this morning to save us from a lost eternity. Not because of the good or worth in us, but because of the good in Jesus, he saved us. He forgives and he forgets for his name's sake. For his glory, he died and he rose again. And he rose again to provide a full and a free salvation. Church, that sacrifice only had to be once. Once and for all sacrifice. And it covered the sins of mankind Ephesians 2, 7-9, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, grace describes the undeserved kindness by which salvation is given to you and me. And the question is, have you accepted God's offer? of forgiveness this morning. See, we're not just saying we want you to join this church. we would like to see you join this church. But we're asking you, have you accepted his offer of forgiveness this morning? And his choice to forget your iniquities. In other words, your sins against him. Remember the psalmist, it's against you and you only have I sinned. You have sinned against God whether you like it or not. Want to accept it or not? You're going to have to accept it. And that forgiveness is there for you this morning. You need that forgiveness this morning. Have you bowed at the throne of grace and thanked God for that love? And are you rejoicing in the knowledge this morning that my sins are forgiven, my sins are forgotten, and I stand here I just said to the folks in the home this morning, this is twice you've heard this, Mary. Sorry. <laughs> said to folks in the home this morning, I quoted that old song we sing. I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on the cross in disgrace. And Jesus, God's Son, come on, do you get the reality here, folks. Jesus God's Son took my place. I hope that brings you to his throne this morning seeking forgiveness from him and being given the gift of eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask Pastor Peter, if we come back, come on, let's stand this morning and let's not just sing a few songs, but let's praise him this morning. We're greatly indebted to him for the love that he shed abroad in each and every one of our hearts.